Well, hello, King's Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for worshiping with us. We're about to jump into the Word of God together. I want to welcome you, though, wherever you are. I want to welcome all the people who call King's Church home first. I want to say hello to our West location people, our Valley location people, everyone in Halifax today, and, of course, our people in Charlottetown as well. But I also want to shout out and say hello to all of you who have been joining us these past several weeks it's been incredible to see how God has been expanding our reach and people are connecting to God with us at King's Church. It's been awesome. Something I'm celebrating even last week alone at our Easter services, we saw about 30,000 views, 30,000 views, not just in Atlantic Canada, but we found people watching all over the globe. Pretty incredible, right? We have one testimony come in of a woman named Danielle all the way in Cleveland, Ohio, who went on our website and filled out that she's following Jesus now. I want to celebrate that, Danielle, if you're watching today in Cleveland, Ohio. And guess what? She's going to be taking our Alpha Online course here coming next week. So how cool is that? In fact, you need to join Alpha if you haven't already. But it's just incredible what God is doing. And we're going to begin today a brand new collection of teachings we're calling Good News. I want you to say it with me in your living room today. I, I mean it. I know you just sit there, you're drinking your coffee, you think, I'm just going to watch Brent do all the work. Not today, people. Say it with me. New series we're calling Good News. That's right. A brand new teaching series where we're going to look at the message of Jesus, what makes it news, and why it's so good. And there's a couple of reasons we're going to do this series. The first is this. We are in a time where there's a lot of bad news. There's a lot of news that's troubling and concerning. We're in this COVID crisis still. There's so much unknown. I mean, just last week I saw, maybe you saw this, the Surgeon General of the United States of America gets up and he says, this is our Pearl Harbor moment. He says, this is a moment that, of a lifetime for us. This is our great test. These might be the darkest days that some of us ever experience. And many of us can attest to that. These have been troubling and dark and difficult times. And there is a bombardment of bad news, isn't there? And so I thought, you know what? It's time to talk about good news because we have it in Jesus. And I thought there's going to be a lot of people who are searching for good news. Maybe you're watching today and you're like, maybe these Christians have something to say about that. I'm glad you tuned in because we do. But there's a second reason why we are doing this good news series. And it's not just for people who are seeking, but specifically, I want to speak to us as Christians. I want to speak to the church about this good news because here's what I'm convinced of. God is moving the church forward in this season into something greater, something new, something more powerful, something that looks more like Jesus and more like heaven. And here's how we're going to get there. It's through the good news. And that if we can get a grip on the good news, we will be taking hold of what God wants us to take hold of as we transition from this season to the next season. And so I want to speak to the good news because I'm convinced of something. The story that we believe is the story that we live by. Let me say that again. The story that you and I believe is the story that we live by. Another way to say it is this, that, that your belief is what ultimately dictates your behavior. And so it's very important that we get the story right. Let me illustrate. Myself, just like so many of you, I have small kids, and so we are dealing right now with, with quarantine home, right? Or just no school and kids who are at each other because they're tired of each other. Specifically in my household, my nine-year-old son, Aiden, and my four-year-old son, Alex, are just 
at each other all the time. And so last week, we're having supper, and I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up some dishes. My kids are finishing up. And don't I hear from the kitchen table, Ow! Ow, Aiden hit me. And so I turn, and I'm like, Aiden, did you, did you hit Alex? And Aiden swears up and down, no, I didn't hit Alex. I didn't do such a thing. And Alex is on the verge of tears. He's like, no, Aiden hit me. And I go back to Aiden, did you hit him? He's like, no, I didn't hit him. And I go back to Alex. Alex, Aiden says he didn't hit you. And now, backstory, my son Alex, who's four, has been exploring the art of storytelling. And he's quite enjoying telling us things that may or may not have happened, if you know what I mean. He, he's, uh, how do I say it? He's lying quite a bit. And it's really weird. So we're working with him on that. And so he's got this track record of telling us some things in recent days that weren't true. And so I naturally believed that Aiden was telling the truth and Alex was lying. And so I take Alex aside and I start interrogating that boy. Did you tell a fib? Did you lie to me? Did Aiden really spank you? I don't think he did. And, and Alex is like, no, he really did. And I keep pressing. And then like that interrogator that just won't take no for an answer, I break him to the point where he says, okay, I did it. I did it. What do you want from me? And, and so, of course, I, I then brought down sweet parental justice on my son. And that was that. Alex is crying. We feel like we get this all straightened out. And about 20 minutes later, I hear weeping out of my older son's room. And he comes down to me and he says, Dad, it was me that lied. It wasn't Alex. And you punished the wrong kid. It was actually me. And I deserve punishment right now. And and so we had to deal with all of that. Some of you parents just, you, you know what I'm talking about. I punished the wrong kid. What? what? What are you doing? I punished the wrong kid. And here's why. Because I believed the wrong story. I believed the wrong account. And because I had the details wrong and the wrong account, I acted in the wrong way. And it was destructive. And I use that to help you understand the importance of the story you believe, it actually frames in the life that you live. And so how much more for us as Christians is it important that we get this gospel story right? What if our understanding of the gospel is actually what is dictating our experience of Jesus and the kingdom of God? What if the, the, what we believe is maybe not having the positive effect on us because we're believing the wrong things. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a church in Corinth. Churches, uh, the, the church in Corinth is one of the first churches, and Paul planted it himself. And there were some things going on in Corinth, so Paul had to write to them because I'll, I'll tell you what, this church was crazy. These guys were like, they were doing like infidelity, incest, idolatry, like all kinds of things that didn't really line up with what Paul had expected to see as a result of them now being Christians. And so he writes to them to correct them because they're clearly not following the way of Jesus. And so he writes to them and he, look what he says. He says, now brothers and sisters, this is 1 Corinthians 15, which this is going to be an important text for us as we explore the gospel. This is one of the best gospel explanations in all of the Bible. It says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. He's clarifying. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. 
Now what is he talking about? He's, he's saying, if you, are, if you have heard the gospel that I spoke, if you had listened to what I had to say to you, you would not be seeing these things happen. In, in other words, you are believing the wrong story. Perhaps you're believing in vain. Now, he's, what's he getting at? He's telling us a clue here. And the clue is this, that when we think about following Jesus, when we think about the lives that we're living, the key is not to think about behavior. The key to life is in your belief. That right believing is what will dictate your behavior. And this is what Paul is getting at. He's saying, look, I'm questioning whether or not you heard the gospel that I shared. Because by the results of your life, it looks like you might have heard something altogether different. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying if you get the gospel right, you get life right. If you get the gospel right, it will give you the right life. And Paul is looking at their lives and he's saying, I'm not seeing it. What I'm seeing is you don't know the gospel because by the fruit of it, there's a lot of destruction happening. It looks like you're believing the wrong story. And so my question for us today as we start this brand new series is, is it possible that some of us, myself included, at times have been prone to believe the wrong story? You might have believed the wrong gospel. Like for some of us, sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, you see the promises of God and Jesus, he tells us that we're going to bear fruit and all the great things that the Bible promises. And then your experience isn't quite what you thought it would be. I wonder if the issue isn't so much your intentions and it's not so much whether or not you tried. I wonder if you were set up to fail because you didn't believe the right story. It was G.K. Chesterton about a hundred years ago he wrote this quote, and it just struck me this week. He said that the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. In other words, nobody who actually finds Christ and follows Christ experiences something that's like, nah, it wasn't that good. He's actually saying the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying People, are, the challenge has been finding the real Christ, the real gospel. Because once you get it, no one leaves it. Once you get it, everything changes. And this is what he's getting at. This is kind of what Paul is saying. If we get the gospel right, we get everything else right. If we get the gospel right, we get life right. And so we're going to jump into this series over the next several weeks, and we're going to take our good old time because I believe that God has blessing and life on the other side of us getting a grip and taking a hold of Jesus and the good news about him and his kingdom. And today I just want to just very quickly, I want to do two simple thoughts. Two very simple thoughts that you're actually going to think, this is beneath me. I actually know more than this. I want you to hang tight. Don't make the mistake that I made my first year of university at St. Thomas. I took fundamentals of math and I decided I went to, I went to like the first few classes and they were doing stuff that was way beneath me. So I just skipped for the next few weeks, came back and it was way over my head. Don't make that mistake. Hang with me today. It's going to seem simplistic, but I'll tell you what, there might be some tweaks to your foundations that bring a whole lot a new fruit and a new freedom in your life. Here's the ideas. I'm going to give you my points and then I'll break them down. Here it is. Here's the simple thoughts. First is this. The gospel of Jesus. Gospel means what? Gospel means literally good news. The good news about Jesus was the series we're talking about. The good news is first and foremost, here it is. Here's, here's this is going to blow your mind. It's news. The gospel is news. Here's the second thing. And this is going to blow your mind even more. 
The good news is not just news, but it is good. The good news is good news. Like, seriously, Brent, that is your point. You're starting a brand new, can we go back to Revelation? Trust me, hang on with me for a minute. I want to break this down. The good news is good news. Let's keep going and look at what Paul has to say and see if we can unpack it. Paul continues his, his message to the Corinthians, and he gives us clues on how we're supposed to understand the good news. Now remember, he's corrected them and said, I think you believed the wrong story. You've been believing in vain. So here's the real deal. I'm going to remind you what I told you. Look what he says. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, a.k.a. this is it. This is the gospel. And here it is. He tells us that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. So Paul speaks to the gospel and he, and he breaks it down for us. And he tells us the, the what. He tells us that the gospel in its essence... It's about the Christ who came, he, the Messiah died, he was buried, he rose, and he was seen as proof. And that is the gospel in that act. But I want, to, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the tense. He says not that, that Christ will die. What's he say? He says Christ died. He said Christ was buried. He says Christ was raised. He appeared. Do you notice the tense? It's past tense. It's past tense. Paul is drawing us not to an idea, but to an event. The gospel of Jesus, fundamentally, and this is so important, is not a set of ideals. It's the announcement of an event. In other words, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is news. It's news. It's something that happened. What is news? Now, that's a complicated question in the 21st century. In fact, you might need to tell media outlets what news is. But historically, news isn't your opinion. News isn't your agenda. News is just the delivery of what? What happened. And the gospel is the good news or the announcement of what has happened. Now, why am I bringing this up? I know for some of you are like, this, this is so self-evident. This is obvious. This doesn't matter for me. Here, hang with me. We often in our faith experience, those of us who follow Jesus, we don't actually think of the gospel as news. We actually, we, 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 we take the gospel and we consider it as something maybe that we should apply to our lives. We often operate with an understanding that the gospel is something good that we should do, but we don't think about it as news, as something that's been done. Are you catching me? Let's, let, me let me keep going. Like, biblically speaking, let's keep looking at 1 Corinthians 15. Biblically speaking, the news or the message of Jesus is about something that has happened and something that is unfolding. Not something that you should go do. Hopefully this is starting to clarify. Hang with me a little bit longer because this is foundational. Look what Paul says. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits. So he began something, a revolution has begun. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as though in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. He's saying this has been accomplished and is unfolding. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then, we, then when he comes, those who belong to him, 
Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, and after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So again, he's speaking about what Jesus has accomplished and what is unfolding. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, look at this. Then the Son of Man himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Let me paraphrase all that for you. The biblical gospel, the first century account, what Paul is getting at, what he's telling those Christians, what those Christians told other people is this, that through Jesus, God has done something unprecedented. And that something has happened that is now changed and changing everything. It's not something that's going to happen. It's already begun. That's why it's news. That God has reclaimed this fallen world. He has reconciled us to himself. And now his restoration project is unfolding until, like Paul says, all things are under his feet and that he may be all in all. That's the gospel. It's this announcement. Now, Hopefully this is starting to close in. It's the announcement of what Jesus has accomplished. Now, why is that so important? Because the gospel is an announcement, and oftentimes we treat it as though it's advice. We think of the gospel as something that, you know what, well, I'm gonna, I might apply this to my life. I'm going to examine the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to think a little bit about this scripture or that scripture. I might go to church, I might go to CR, I might do these things, and maybe that'll make me better. And that's the gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not advice. The gospel is the announcement of what Jesus has done and what is unfolding as the result of it. And that is so important. It's so important that we don't think of the gospel as moral advice. Like if you do these things, you say these prayers, you go to church, you do these, all that, that you'll go to heaven. That's not the gospel. And the gospel isn't advice. It's not like how you can find meaning or how you can live a better life. That's not what the gospel is. The good news of Jesus is the announcement of what he's already done. And now some of you are like, well, isn't following Jesus, like, isn't that about morality? Isn't that about meaning? Isn't that about going to heaven? Absolutely is. But the gospel is the announcement of what Jesus has done. The gospel is what, it's news. And here's the thing, and here's why I'm hammering on this today. I hope, I hope you're not signing off. I hope you're hanging with me. The gospel has more often been packaged as advice, that it's this thing you, you do instead of an announcement. Let me maybe help to, to unfold this for you. The, the way that you react to news is very different than how you react to advice. Let's, let's do a hypothetical experiment. Imagine this week, you're at home, your cell phone rings. And on the other line, you have, uh, it's, 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 the, it's the voice of an old friend. And they say, oh, hey, guess what? You know, we're, we're dealing with the COVID thing. Look, I have a hunch. I've been working on a, on a homeopathic remedy. I'm actually calling it like a coronopathic remedy trademark, and it's a, it's a combo of essential oils and some citrus and a little, bit of, a little bit of this and that. And I think if you apply that to yourself every day, it will protect you from the coronavirus. Now, if you're like me, you'll probably hang up on that call because you just don't believe, like essential oil, get out of here, right? 
But if, if, if you might take it and you might say, okay, well, I'll do the thing and maybe it'll help me. And you'll see, you'll discover it. That's advice. That's taking the advice of someone, hey, try this. It might help you with coronavirus. That's advice. You would act very differently if this week you got a call and it was your doctor and said, hey, good news. We found a vaccine. Come into my office. I'm going to prick you with this needle. And when you leave, you are immune to the coronavirus. How would you act? It'd be very different than dabbing, dabbing a little bit of essential oil and hoping that you don't get sick when you go to Sobeys. If you, if you got jabbed with the vaccine, you'd be walking through Sobeys like you got no problem at all. Why? Because the news of the delivery of the vaccine is very different than the advice of the essential oils, and maybe it'll help you. And this is a real kind of maybe crass, but, but pertinent way to understand the difference between the news of the gospel and the gospel being advice. When you treat the gospel as advice, it pulls the legs out from under the gospel and it robs it of its power. When you realize that the gospel is about what Jesus has done, it sets you free. It gives you that confidence to live your life. And, and this is exactly what Jesus says. Look what he announces. Jesus himself said, right after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus said, the time promised by God, say it with me, you got to work today, has come. It's come at last. It's here. And he announced it. There it is. It's an announcement. The kingdom of God is near or at hand or aka here. And then he said, repent or turn to it. Repent of your sin and believe this good news. Operate under this reality. It's good news. That's the first thing. It's not advice. It's what? It's news. It's an announcement. That's right. Here's the second thing. We're going to move fast. This is going to hopefully just reset you today. The gospel isn't just news. The gospel is, say it out loud with me, the gospel is, it's good. Yes, the gospel is good. Now, I know some of you are like, wow, Brent, revelation today. This is incredible. You, you just basically said the good news is good news. Can we leave now? No, listen, hang with me. A lot of the versions of the gospel we believed, the story that we believe, if you examine it, isn't actually good news and your life is living according to that kind of false story. A lot of our understandings of the good news aren't good news. And here's the deal. They're not the good news of the Bible. They're a false gospel. They're, they're like a, a fake gospel. Maybe we use the word like, uh, it's fake news. It's fake news. It's fake news. Yes, people believe in false narratives about Jesus, and it sets us up for destruction. Look, here, here I was thinking of a few false gospel narratives. Here, here's a couple of them. And it absolutely sets us up. We start living according to these stories, and we become slaves to it when the gospel was given to set you free. Look at this. Here, here's one. There's the works gospel. Hey, be a good person. Go to church. Pray this prayer. Do these things. And as you do those things, God might let you into heaven someday, hopefully. That's, that's works. How is that good news? That you have to convince God to let you into heaven. That, that's not really the best news I've ever heard. What about the wealth gospel? That, hey, if you... If you like play your cards right and you pray a certain way and you have certain expectation and you tithe, then you can convince and coerce God to be generous back to you. Well, that's sort of good news, but not really. So what you're telling me is I got to sort of, I got to sort of like manipulate God. I got to sort of convince God to be nice to me. Is that what you're saying? Because that doesn't sound like very good news either. 
What about the wellness gospel? That if you like follow these criteria, if you do these certain things, if you do these practices, that you'll be a holistic, integrated person and that you're going to be healthy and whole and you're going you're to be happy. Well, that's great, except for, again, it puts the onus on me. Like if, if it's up to me to be like Jesus, I don't know about you, but I've found I'm very, very poor at that. It's not good news. Or what about the wisdom gospel? This idea that if you can just like get the right concept in your mind and you can achieve great hidden wisdom, then maybe, maybe you'll experience the life that you want. Again, it's not good news. Or the warfare gospel that, that you know what, the devil's out there and evil's out there and we believe that that's the case. And now, you know what, the Bible's been given to give you some tools and some help so that you can fight the good fight against the devil. Again, not the best news. Why? Because the devil beats me 10 times out of 10. I don't know about you. These aren't good news, but get this. The gospel is good news. The gospel is really good news. Look at what Jesus says. He says it right here. If these are the words of the Savior himself. Look at how he says it. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. This is, this will bring freedom. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to deposit riches, he's saying. It's going to bring recovery of sight for the blind. I'm going to bring you illumination to set the oppressed free. I'll defeat the devil for you. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, riches and wealth. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it comes through me. Now let's, let's think about it again. You've got these fake news, false news, false gospel narratives. Look at this one. Let's look at it again based on what Jesus just said. The fake news is that I got to work to find God and I got to work and do these things. The real good news is the work's done. Jesus already did it. And you are free. You are already forgiven. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to obtain it. Think about the wealth gospel. It says I got to coerce God into being generous. The gospel says that he didn't withhold anything from you. Not even his son. He gave us the greatest treasure in all of creation in his son. Like that's why Paul says that God won't withhold anything. If he's given us his son, then how much more will he not also give us all things? God has given us the greatest treasure already. He, he's, he's generous. The good news tells us that instead of I got to get well, the Bible says that by his stripes you have been healed. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Follow me, ye all ye who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He, he says that if you abide in me, that you will bear much fruit, that I'll bring the health that you want. It's something that I do. That's the good news. Isn't that amazing? You see the shift. The wisdom gospel, same thing. Jesus didn't come to show you the way. He is the way. Take hold of him and you have truth. It's incredible, this shift that happens. What about warfare? Jesus didn't come to show you how to fight the devil. He said, I have come to defeat the devil and his works, to disarm the rulers and principalities and authorities of this dark world and leave them weaponless so that you can overcome them in my name. Jesus gives us the victory. The war is over. That's good news. That's the good news. The good news is it's already been done. And that's why it's so good. Isn't that good? It's good news. The gospel isn't something to be done. It's something that's already been done. It's something that Jesus did. That's some good news, isn't it? 
It's good news to know that Jesus has done it for us, that, that God has, by his power and grace, accomplished for us what we can't accomplish for ourselves. That's amazing news. And you know what else is good news that goes right along with it? It's good news to know that God is good, that God isn't a tyrant, that he's not trying to smite us or that he's not trying to withhold pleasure and joy from us, but he's giving it to us. That's some good news. That's the kind of news that sets you free. That's the kind of news that has the power to change everything, doesn't it? And, and I've noticed, I don't know about you, I've noticed that good news is unrivaled in its effect on me. Like what changes your, your, like your day? What changes your countenance? What brings hope and peace and optimism like good news? I assure you that if you got a call after the vaccine call this week, your other friend calls you and says, hey, guess what? I won the lottery and I'm sharing half with you. You'd, you'd have some pep in your step, wouldn't you? You'd feel pretty good. Vaccine and set for life. How about that? Well, how much more pep in your step and freedom and joy and confidence and power and hope should we have when we really believe that Jesus has already accomplished and given, God has given us all things through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's some amazing news. The good news of Jesus, when you discover that it is news, when you discover that it, God has already given you all things in his son and you take hold of that, it changes everything. It sets you free from fear. It sets you free from past and regrets. It sets, it sets you free from shame and condemnation and humiliation. It sets us free from scarcity. I don't have to worry anymore because God already gave me his son, so he's going to take care of me. It sets you free from anxiety and loneliness and meaninglessness. It sets you free. And not only that, it empowers you. That gospel fills you with peace, doesn't it? Fills you with hope, fills you with joy, fills you with self-control and passion and power. That's what the gospel does. And here's the thing, when we really discover that it is good news, when we really get a grip on just how good it is, it becomes impossible to shut up about it. Ever notice that? Whoever had a hard time telling somebody else about good news? I was thinking about that this week. Maybe one of the reasons why in my life it's been sometimes a struggle to share my faith with some people is because deep down, I don't believe it's the good news they need to hear. Like how hard is it when you have really good news? Like you remember some of you ladies that, that, that when you got pregnant and you're trying to be quiet about it for the first three or four months and you, how hard was it? You had to tell someone, didn't you? Like I just got to tell somebody, I got to get this off my chest. Why? Because it's too good to hold back. That's what this gospel is. It is so good that it overflows in your life and out into other people. And I hope we get a grip of that in this season. Think about it like, let me ask you this question. Do you believe the good news? And based on your life, does it look like you believe the right story? Like, have you applied the story that Jesus has already accomplished for you and that you get to live in the light of what God has done through his son? And that be, to be set free in that, free from fear, free from your past, free from your shame, that Jesus took it all on the cross and he rose in victory and his kingdom is unfolding in real time and we get to walk in the light of that reality. That changes everything. It changes everything. This past uh, January, 
before, actually it was while COVID was just starting to like become a thing. I remember watching the news. My wife and I were in London, England. We flew over there. We were invited by the Alpha people, which again, one more shameless plug. You need to plug into Alpha if you have questions or not. If you're a Christian and you haven't taken Alpha, sign up today. So we go over to London. We're there for like a week with the, the people who put on Alpha. And one of the things we did though in our free time was do some sightseeing. And so we went to Westminster Abbey. Anybody's ever been there? It's this gorgeous cathedral, hundreds and hundreds of years old. Incredible. And we're walking around and we see on the floor a bunch of different memorials. There's like Sir Isaac Newton and Churchill and just like famous people, all these old kings and stuff where there's memorials and tombs. It's just, it's, it's amazing to see. And we come up upon my favorite author, C.S. Lewis. And he has a little square there on the floor, a memorial to him. And on it, it had one of my favorite quotes. And I think this helps us today. It says this, it said, it said right around his name, it said, I believe, this is C.S. Lewis, it said, I believe Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. See, when you see this gospel, it changes how you see everything else. When you finally get a grip of the great love of God, like Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would grasp how high, how wide, and how deep is the love of the Father in Christ Jesus. When you see that, it changes how you see everything. And that's my prayer today. That's my prayer for this series. My prayer is that we would, it, God would change how we see the truth of the gospel. He'd refine how we see the story and that in that story, we would live the life and we'd re reap the benefits and the rewards of following Jesus like never before. The good news changes everything. Let me leave you with a couple questions just to ponder this week. Here's a couple questions I want to ask you. Am I, ask yourself this question, meditate on this this week. Am I living from the revelation of an announcement or am I operating as though the gospel is advice that I should apply? Do you think of the gospel as something you take off the shelf and, and read like a good book to make you feel better or make you, you know, correct your course or whatever? Or do you see it as an announcement to a reality that you get to live in now and forevermore? What would change for me if I really believed the announcement was good news? Second question, is the news I believe actually good news? Is it actually good news? Have you been duped into believing a false gospel? Are you like the thousands of people last weekend, last Easter, who tuned in because you felt there was some moral obligation that you better tune in on Easter because I gotta get God off my back have you believed the false narrative? That's the exact opposite. God is for you. He's not on your back. He's holding you up. That's what the gospel is. Have you believed a false narrative? Here's the question. What would change for me if I moved from operating under a gospel of doing to a gospel of done? What if I rested in the accomplishment of Jesus and not in my own accomplishments? What if I rested in what he's done for me, not what I can do for myself? Would that change everything? I pray that it does. I pray that this week you live in the light of the good news. I pray that we shift in our minds from advice to believing the announcement when Jesus says, I have come to bring good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the captive, to bring liberty to the oppressed. I pray that we believe that this week. We, we believe that the gospel really is good 
news. Let me pray for you before you go. Father, thank you today. We thank you that the gospel is good news. And we just say it, it's good news. Jesus, it's good news that you died. It's good news that you died for my sins and you buried them in the ground with you. And it's good news that you didn't count our sins against us, but, but God, you placed them all upon your son and you gave us his righteousness. That's good news. It's good news that my sin is dead and buried and that it is no longer I who live, but I've been crucified with Christ. It's good news that I have risen again in victory as Christ has risen for me on my behalf. And I follow in that resurrection. It's good news that I live in a world that although there's coronavirus and although there's economic troubles, I, I live in a world that the King name is Jesus and that he has already put his stamp of authority on it and that his dominion is expanding and unfolding day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour. Every second is another second where the kingdom is taking ground. And Lord, we take our minds to that reality. We set our minds on the, on the revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross and rising again in victory. We place our hope there. And I pray that this week we would live like we just heard an announcement that we found a vaccine because Jesus, you have provided us healing. You provided us the cure to sin. You provided us everlasting life. We should operate as though we have heard good news because this truly is good news. We thank you for it. God, would you refine our thoughts today, empower our hearts, just touch us today fresh, we pray. In all these homes, I pray, just a fresh touch of your spirit. Give us a glimpse, a greater glimpse of your goodness. I pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Have a great week, church. Love you.